When the COVID pandemic hit, like most people, I ended up making some unplanned for pivots in my life and in my business. These weren't the first pivots, and quite frankly, nor the last, that I will make in my life. In fact, I have 10 revenue streams that monetize my overall brand, and I should say these aren't the first pivots that I'll make in my life and my business. But in this episode, I really wanted to talk about one of those revenue streams because it can be such a great side hustle, super lucrative with the right approach, and a wonderful way to amplify your voice in areas that matter to you. Also, if you are a stay-at-home parent, if you have issues that impact your mobility or just issues that impact your ability to kind of be out there in the world, this side hustle is a great way to make money. So what is this revenue stream? Freelance writing. But I'm going to admit something that may really surprise you. For a really long time, I did not like freelance writing. I didn't enjoy it. It got on my nerves. I was like, why did I do this to myself? And I'm going to be clear, especially at the beginning of my freelancing journey. I had quit my job and I needed to make money. And so I was doing all these things online. And one of the things I was doing was freelance writing. My clients stressed me out. Sometimes they didn't pay on time. And my biggest client insisted on weekly team meetings, which drove me freaking crazy. I wanted to work on projects and move on. There was no we in freelance, okay? No we in freelance. I was focusing on me. <laughs> and I thought it would be really helpful as we get closer to the new year at the time this episode is releasing. I think that people might be looking at ways to make extra money, especially because the economy, a lot of people feel it might go into recession. So extra money is always good. I think it'd be helpful to share. I've been growing my freelance income so that you can too. And some helpful lessons learned along the way. If you're looking at how to make more money as a freelance writer, because you love the idea of it as a side hustle, or it's part of your online business, do please listen on. If you've recently left your nine to five, you've also left your old benefits. If you're looking for an all-in-one resource to help you sign up for health insurance, set up a self-designed benefits package that helps you allocate funds towards retirement, future vacations, sick days, and taxes, Catch may be the perfect tool for you. Catch is a personal payroll and benefits app that helps you to organize all of the important aspects of creating and maintaining a benefits package as a freelancer or digital entrepreneur. For those of you looking for health insurance and dental coverage, Catch has a search function that helps you find the best coverage based on your location, age, and who else you would like to have covered with your policy. If you're looking for insurance during open enrollment or you have a new qualifying event, use Catch to find an ACA or Affordable Care Act compliant health insurance policy today. I really wish that I'd had a tool like this when I first started my online entrepreneurship journey. It just makes things so much easier. I love that Catch helps you to set aside tax payments, sick days, and PTO as well. Catch truly empowers its users in a way that I haven't seen for smaller online entrepreneurs. I'm a proud partner of Catch and urge you to check Catch out. Go to the following link for more information, michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash M-I-M-H catch. That's M-I-M-H catch. 
this year, or maybe it was last year, like I can't even remember anymore, I got in a somewhat heated exchange with this guy online. He was asserting that the 10 cents a word he was paying to his freelancers was a great rate. He just couldn't back down from it. And I asserted that people could and should earn more. So his his other thing was that it was a great rate and that if people are making this, it's just phenomenal and and they can't make more. And I was just like, that's not true. <laughs> he pushed back and he just insisted that his writers love that rate. And I just wasn't interested in arguing with a guy who quite honestly was benefiting from that payment arrangement. For those of you out there freelancing or thinking about making extra money to pay towards bills or to grow your savings or jumpstart a new freelancing career, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're earning 10 cents a word three years in, you got to change some things because he was wrong. And I actually screenshot that exchange because at the end I was just like, okay, because he just was convinced that people were happy with that 10 cents a word. You can't live on 10 cents a word projects forever. It just doesn't happen. And if you're doing that, it's stressful and it's not okay. And I'm here to tell you different. So here's the thing. This is what you need to think about. Free and low paying projects used to build your writing portfolio should last a short season, a short season in your side hustling business right? Or your side hustle life. Like it shouldn't be happening for years. If you've been freelancing for three years or over a year and you are only getting 10 cents a word in year three, that season has lasted way too long. I'm telling you to your face, that season of low paying projects has lasted too long. Working on free content, such as blog posts for your own website or other websites actually totally makes sense as an initial content strategy. I'm currently focusing on breaking into a new content niche. I'll share what it is. The outdoor space and content about the Western United States. So I live in Colorado. You know this if you follow me, I share this a lot. But what people may not realize is I actually create content about where I live and I create a lot of content also about being black in outdoor spaces. I'm absolutely okay with lower paying projects for this year or so, like about a year, maybe less to help build my authority in that niche because that's the season I'm in for that niche. You can publish the type of content you would like to get paid for, by the way, on your own personal platform. You can start a blog, a WordPress blog that's really easy to put together using a resource that I use called Ionos, I-O-N-O-S.com. Side note, I love how my websites look. However, from time to time, it does have technical glitches. So I do want to say that you do have to be aware of that. You might be on customer service calls occasionally, but I only pay five bucks a month to run those websites. It's fine for now, and then I'll change later. So you always work in the moment that you're in now for the project that you're in. Be intentional. Sit down and design a strategy. Ask yourself the following. 
How much would you like to get paid and how much work does that actually represent? How many hours of work does it take for the type of project you said yes to? Who would you like to work with? Who do you know that is already working with companies and organizations that you would like to contract with? You cannot do this alone. This was my big mistake. I thought I could just kind of go out there and and figure it out. It just doesn't work that way. Also, don't let people gaslight you. There is money in freelancing and content creation. There are literally millions of websites, projects, initiatives out there needing content. Some of those actually need hourly content, daily projects. Like they literally need content to come out all day long because of their monetization strategy and how they're bringing in revenue on the back end of those projects. Others need daily or monthly content. There are projects that have a once or twice a year push to get as much content done as possible. They may tighten their budgets or pivot their content push during a recession, but they still have goals to be uh, that they need to meet for their brands. So how do you earn more freelancing? So fortunately, there are some strategies that you can use literally starting today to grow your freelance side hustle or business or revenue stream, however it is you're focusing on it. Most of these strategies are pretty easy to do and don't necessarily take a lot of time. They do, however, require you to be thoughtful. Be honest about how many projects you would like to work on in a month. Freelance writing is great, but it does take some focused energy. In the beginning, I loved that I could write from home versus doing an actual fun side hustle with people. Now, I should mention, this is important, that when I worked fun side hustles like brand and back gig, I would typically uh, get between $15 to $25. If I were to do that now... Um, It's higher because the minimum wage in Denver is $17 starting in 2023. So you're going to get a minimum of probably $17 to $30 for a side hustle. So this is important. I was making $15 a writing project, but not having to work with people was great. So I was doing a calculation about the energy it took to work with people. However, As my expertise grew, as my writing expertise grew and my own personal awareness of that grew as well, I wanted to get paid more per project. This just makes sense, right? Like you learn more, so you should be compensated more for the work you're doing. I was writing faster as a result. I understood content briefs from clients, things like that, how to edit. So I was improving my craft and so like so as you would expect I wanted to get paid paid more. Now I earn significantly more per project and have a really clear idea of how much time it takes to work on a project based on the scope of work that I'm doing. I also use Harlow. I'm an affiliate Uh, You may have heard me mention this in previous episodes, but Harlow is an invoicing product. But within that invoicing product in the back end, you can actually time yourself when you're working on different tasks. So when I'm working on writing projects, whether it's a romance book or because I write romances or I'm doing a freelance project or I'm working on a blog post for myself, I actually set up a task so that I know how long it takes me to do it. So I understand what I'm really getting compensated for. Ask yourself, what do you want to earn per month? And it's one thing to say, 
oh, I would love to have an extra $500 a month, but how does that happen? And when I started making $500 a month consistently doing certain things, that actually was the turning point in my debt repayment journey. $500 is what I think most people should aim for initially. However, there's a lot of ways to get to $500 as a freelance writer. I'm going to read to you what that looks like. You can go to my show notes to see what that looks like because sometimes it's easier to see things versus hear me run it off on a podcast. So you could write 33 posts at $15 a post to equal $500. Personally, that's not, not ideal. It's a lot of time and energy. 20 posts at $25 a post. Again, not ideal, a lot of time and energy. 16 posts at $30 a post, still not ideal. 10 posts at $50 a post, not ideal, but if you're in the beginning of growing your freelance career, you might say yes to this. You have to think about it. Six posts at $75 a post to equal $500. It's all right. It's not great, but this is okay. Five posts at $100 a post. This is okay. This this makes more sense to me. Uh, it's a little more bang for your buck, uh, a lot less time, a, lo- a lot more efficient on the back end for you. Two posts at $250 a post. This definitely works because it's just two posts. And then finally, one post at $500. Hell yeah, this is ideal. The other thing that I didn't bring up actually when I was preparing this, but I was thinking about it, words per post. This is where people get tripped up. No, you should not be writing 3000 words to get $500. No, that's a lot of writing for $500. For this piece, I would say, um, follow my next tip, which is this become a member of freelance communities. If there is literally, if there's one piece of advice that I strongly recommend you follow from this entire episode it's this one. It's who you know that will really propel your freelance side hustle or full-time gig if that's what you want to do. There's no way around this. Your community will connect you with leads, cheer you on when you're feeling down, validate you when you want to raise your rates, give you suggestions on how to do it. Here's how community shows up in my freelancing revenue stream. Here are a few suggestions of places where you can uh, start following community leaders or can find community. So you can follow me. This one's painful. (laughs) So I don't know how much longer I will actually be on Twitter, but I regularly do share leads over $300 a project across niches. Like when I see a lead that crosses my path, I will share it on Twitter. I will do the same moving forward on other platforms as I see what's going to be a better fit for me moving forward. Painful, but it is what it is. But the reason why I share $300 projects or more is because I was stuck at $250 for a really long time. It was really frustrating because I had other friends who were making well above that per project. And I just was like, this is an invisible door that I can't seem to get through because I'm not getting access to this. So it was really frustrating. And I one day was like, hey, this is really frustrating. And so I ended up getting connected with a group that helped me work through that. And I'll, I'll share what that looks like in a second. 
Another person who you should follow is Michelle Garrett, who runs Freelance Chat on Twitter. I've included a link in her profile as well in the show notes. I'm going to say that, again, with Twitter, Michelle may, she's already started making moves to add other platforms or be a little more active in other platforms as well. Uh, she's showing up in other platforms, but we're, we're all like, we don't know what's going on with Twitter, which is a shame. I'm actually going to share my thoughts on how Twitter and other social media platforms help you make money um, in an upcoming episode, probably the one after this. And I really urge you to listen if you're trying to figure out like, well, how does social media even help me with a side hustle? So definitely give that a listen when it goes live. But Michelle Garrett, who runs Freelance Chat on Twitter. She's amazing. Facebook. I'm a member of both private and closed freelancing groups based on different interest niches and criteria. Just search in Facebook for groups based on the niches you are interested in writing in. So if you're a woman and you're, you know, a woman identified human being and you're like, I'm looking for groups that help those individuals connect better with projects. Great. If you are a man and you are looking for groups that help connect you, male identified, and you're looking for groups that help connect you with like a topic that's super random and you're just like, I need support in this space, go to Facebook and search it. You would be surprised. There are groups everywhere. Members of these groups, by the way, share which editors they love working with, project referrals, talk to each other about pricing, share their goals, and give you community. I cannot... I cannot stress this enough. You have to be in these groups. You have to be in these groups. You have to be in these groups. Okay. And if you're like, well, Michelle, I hear you, but how do I find these groups? Tell people you're looking to be part of a free freelancing mastermind group, or you can create one yourself. No one's saying you don't need to, you, you don't have power. Create one yourself. Meetup groups. I am a huge fan of meetups. I'm actually creating a meetup, not for freelancing, but for like socializing here in Denver. You can also create your own meetup group if you're unable to find one that meets your needs. So definitely go to meetup.com. Right now at the time that this episode will release, those groups are on discount. So it does cost a little money to run the group, but there's a, a 30, I think a 30% discount to start a group. And I think it's $19 a month. And you can charge for some of the events that you're running or for the, the cost of running the event. So you can recoup that. Reddit. This is not my thing. I, I do have a Reddit account, but I just, I is so much. Oh God. But it could be a very powerful place to connect and get information about how to approach freelancing and how to find clientele. Local and national associations. It's likely that there's a local or national association that you could become a member of in your town for free or online. The Freelancers Union is one of my favorites. Prior to COVID, I went to those meetings all the time. Great people here in town, a lot of wonderful information, and they really act as an advocate for freelancers on the national level. So I actually think that if you if you do any kind of freelancing content or any kind of contract work, Freelancers Union is good just to know what's going on in terms of, of law, proposed laws and things like that. And finally, you need to write in at least three content niches. So again, I'm trying to you know, I'm sharing how to make more money freelance writing. And a big part of that is you'll hear people say, well, you should only like 
focus on one niche and just be an expert. You can be an expert in more than one thing. <laughs> like, come on. But three is the sweet spot. I think more than three, more than three, it's a little too much. Three is perfect. And I make more because I don't just write in one niche, even though my primary niche, personal finance, is pretty lucrative. Here's the thing. Time of year can impact demand for the content that you work on. If you have all of your eggs in one basket, that could severely harm your ability to earn money. Here's what I've observed in terms of the niches that I write in. Personal finance really picks up during tough financial times, January when New Year, New You kicks off, and back to school around kind of from August to October, right? And then with personal finance, uh, during the holiday season, no one wants to hear budget during the holiday season. They just want to spend their money. <laughs> um, during the spring, people are starting to prepare for the summer holidays. During the summer, people are tired and they just want to relax. So there's just different, just different points in time where the content picks up and drops off naturally. I even taper off my consumption of this content in the same way. So in my observation of myself and other people, I noticed that there are times people are like, I don't feel like talking about that. I just want to go and enjoy myself. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. Travel related content. I specifically focus on Colorado, the West and access to the outdoors for black and brown outdoors enthusiasts. When is that popular? A few months before ski season, a few months before summer travel season, before large local events with national reach. Uh, an example of that would be the Great American Beer Festival. I will say with Colorado, there is a side note, there is a lot of interest in the state in general. Um, so just kind of addressing some of the things that people are interested in, typically moving here, recreating here, or just the laws. So there's three things that people typically are, are constantly interested in. And so that content always tends to do well throughout the year as well. And then finally, online business content. This one's interesting because I think the content for this is steady throughout the year, but legislation, social media platform changes, such as what we're seeing at Twitter or a global pandemic can change demand for the type of content contracted within this vertical. Okay. I have more ideas. I have more ideas. Okay. So you can earn more by pitching. I will admit that I do have companies that reach out to me on a regular basis with project leads. Why? Because I've established myself in the personal finance space over a long period of time. However, my goal is to earn a significantly higher amount of money than the leads that are coming in. So I get reached out to on a weekly basis. But that doesn't mean that the leads are enough that it would be incredibly lucrative. Do you know what I mean? Like they're good, they're steady, and I can make money. But if I'm looking at making transformative income, I have to pitch, like it just makes sense. And basically it means this, I basically it means I had, I have to do something to connect with more projects. Remember, there's more than one way to pitch. And I think when here when people hear pitching, they just think like literally sending out a pitch, a cold or warm pitch to a potential client. But there's a lot of ways to get in front of people. So here's what I do and you can too. 
create a professional website that shares who you are and what you do. It does not have to be perfect. It does not have to be beautiful. It just needs to be simple, solid, and just does the job. That's my main site. My main website is not sexy. It's solid. It has almost a million views. So it's around for a while, but it's going to, it keeps doing the work. I'm upgrading the theme, but honestly, it's solid. Um, I would love to have the Michelle Jackson URL, but the the last time I checked, it was $26,000. Seriously. So I'm not buying that. So Michelle is money hungry also acts as my professional portfolio. I'm always tinkering with it. I will do that during the, the winter holiday season. It is what it is, but it gets the job done. I get reached out to, I get projects. I can refer people to it. It's fine. I I guess my whole point is it's fine if it's fine. (laughs) So many people make things so hard. It's fine if it's fine. Updated my social media with my email address so that clients can actually contact me. How are they supposed to contact you if they don't know where to connect with you? And I'm going to be honest, not everyone wants to be DMing you. They don't want to follow you on Twitter. They don't want to follow you on Instagram so they can send you a message. A lot of people still, because we have multi-generational workspaces, we have some people who just, I'm nearsighted. To be honest, I have been nearsighted since I was 12. Sending messages via my phone is a pain in my booty. I can't see, (laughs) like I don't like it. So I prefer to do things on laptop, even with apps because I can see it better. So it just depends on um, the person. And so you need to, to kind of remember this is a business connection and facilitate, help to facilitate that. Quarterly updates to my LinkedIn profile. I'll admit that LinkedIn is my least favorite platform. It's just so boring. Like I just can't get into it. However, it is great for making business connections and attracting project leads, keeping my profile really tight making sure that it's up to date and clear what I do and what I'm looking for is really important. And I've gotten, I've gotten reached out to on LinkedIn and I've gotten projects that way. Share on social media that I'm looking for projects, looking for gigs. People don't know what they don't know. A closed mouth doesn't get fed. Just tell people I am looking for projects. I'm looking for work. Reached out to friends who run websites and asked, are you needing content? And sometimes I'll do that just with the niches that I'm building up. So I did that this year with, with my outdoors niche and I had so much fun working on those projects. I had a friend who was like, yeah, I've got, um, some content that I would like to contract from you. Absolutely. They let me pitch what I wanted. I wrote what I wanted to, they paid upon completion. It was great. Glorious. Just ask people if they need help. This one's huge. Followed editors on social media in particular, Twitter. Do you see why I'm so upset about Twitter, like going circling the drain and quality and whatever? Anyway, each time an editor crossed my path on Twitter, whether they were announcing that they just started a new job or announcing a lead, like maybe they had a project and they were like, hey, we're looking for writers. I would always follow them and screenshot their profile and look for contact information because maybe I don't have time to pitch them that week. But maybe a couple weeks later, a couple of months later, I'll just pitch them then when it's a better time for me or I have more time to do projects. As a result, I have a list of around probably 50 editors of 50 different publications that I follow. I don't necessarily write in all their niches, but um, there's always an opportunity to write for a niche with an angle that I have 
with the content that I actually cover. So I just follow everybody. And it's great because for other people, I can be like, hey, here, here's editors that you can follow. I have a designated pitch day. If you're looking for freelance writing projects, grants, or scholarships, you have to allocate time towards generating enough leads to get the projects that you want. I now pitch every Monday, every Monday. I actually, there's an, a really well-known influencer out there, really sweet guy, and he makes a lot of money with brand deals. And I think at the time that I met him, he'd made like $4 million in brand deals, him and his, his wife, and they pitch every week. So if he's making $4 million and he still pitches and people reach out to him, I'm sure. Why is it that you aren't pitching? I, I don't, I really don't understand this. So on Mondays, I pitch for everything that I want. I basically am planting seeds. I chose Monday because I typically don't work on projects until Tuesday. Like I, I it just feels like Mondays are the worst day for me to get started on the week with ad. So I just focus on admin and things like that. Also, I don't necessarily love pitching. It can be a little boring. So I like to get it out of the way first thing in the week. Don't wait for companies and projects to come to you, even if they do. So projects and companies come to me. They do. But again, I personally feel that they don't like the, the if I were to say yes, if I were to say yes to all the things that come to me, it would be great. But I still wouldn't be making the income that I'm really shooting for. So I have to pitch. It's not that hard. <laughs> Do it. Basically, I'm saying you're going to have to work for it. <laughs> um, and then finally, you could, these are all suggestions. You could create a podcast pre-roll telling listeners the type of work that you do and how people can reach out to you in order to contract you for that. So again, this does depend on the type of podcast that you have, but it also depends on how you creatively work out a way to share what you do. The key here is to take sustained focused action on a weekly basis to develop constant project leads, freelance gig leads. You want to do this because of the following. It can take a while to onboard new clients, work on projects, and then actually get paid. I mentioned earlier this year in an episode that I had a client who took months to onboard us, months. And then it took months to even do the projects. We did the projects. I caught COVID during my project. I got super sick. I did a horrible job. I got fired as I should have. <laughs> um, but then I didn't get paid until October because of net 30, right? Literally, it took five months to get that first paycheck from that specific client. You can't be, be you can't just wait for people to come to you because of just the, the logistics with freelancing. And if you're trying to use this as a side hustle, you need, you need to consider those things. Like if you're needing that 500 bucks, you need to be saying yes to projects that pay net 30, net 15, and, and just kind of under, and just have enough projects so that you're always getting paid every month. You might not get the rate that you want for the scope of work you're looking for, or you, you might get the pay that you're looking for, but it's, for a limited number of projects. So the reason why you're always looking for leads is maybe you're like, look, I want a $700 post. And if I could just get like several a month, that would be great. But maybe one month, maybe your clients like, look, I'll pay you $700, but that's like, I'll do one a month. You still have to like have other clients. 
And I have clients who do that. Like I have very good paying clients, but some of them only do a content push a couple times a year and they'll contract me for several, several pieces of content, but it's not like all year long. So you just have to think about these things. Time of year and how it impacts content demand for the vertical you're working on. I already covered this. And then just you pitch so that you're always working on these projects so that you avoid creating a lag in your incoming incoming revenue. You can earn good money freelancing, but you have to be so proactive. And I don't, I feel like we do new freelancers a, a disservice or anyone who's looking to do this as a side hustle, people who are in marginalized communities, we do people a disservice by not being candid about this part. You have to be very, very proactive in order for this to take off. And so I, I think it's important to bring this up. You can't wait for companies to connect with you, especially as we head into financial headwinds, such as localized or national recessions or other events that can affect the flow of work. I hope this was helpful. I hope you heard the prevailing message that I was trying to give in this episode, which is you have to be proactive and connections, the connections you make will grow your business. Those are two big things. Proactive, you need to know people. Let me know what you think. Email me uh, at michelleismoneyhungry at gmail.com and good luck on your side hustles. 